Gee, I love that music, but we're not going to hear too much more of it because it is day 13 of the Olympics. You're listening to Tokyo Daddy. Jeez, the time has absolutely flown by during these Olympics. I feel like it started about two days ago, but we're at day 13. My name's Harper. I'm going to be wrapping up day 12, talking about what's happening today and a cracking interview with an expert guest sandwiched in between to kick us off, of course, our review of what happened yesterday. The big one, Peter Bowling's 800-meter final, the Aussie, uh, originally from Sudan, living in Perth at the moment. Oh, People had him down as maybe a gold medal contender. Bruce McAvaney said, this guy can win gold. And win gold, he nearly did. He was less than a second off it. Led pretty close to the end of the race. Led it halfway. Led coming into the final straight. Said he regretted his last 100 metres. Got overtaken by three people. Finished fourth. Race probably wasn't too suited to him tactically. It was very slow. Um, no one was really out there leading the pack with him because he was leading for a fair amount of the race. And in the end, three people overtook him, like I said, nearly slipped out of fourth place as well. But the Kenyan Emmanuel Correa won gold. And the favourite, Ferguson Rotich, just won silver. He might be a bit disappointed with that. And Patrick Dobek earned himself a bronze medal with a guy from Poland. Speaking of medals, though, Australia, fair bit of medal action yesterday. People might not have been thinking it, but we're doing pretty well. We are doing pretty well. Another gold medal was confirmed as Matthew Belcher and Will Ryan finished their 470 race. They just need to not get penalised, not do anything stupid, and they didn't. So they've got a gold medal in the 470. Those guys won silver in Rio, and Belcher got himself a gold medal in London. So they're pretty dominant in that sport over the last decade or so. So love to see another gold medal added to the tally. That's our 15th. Karina Lee, marathon swimmer, 10K marathon. She got herself a bronze medal despite uh, getting hit by fish halfway through the event, which is a bit of a strange one. Uh, she was just less than two seconds behind the winner who was from Brazil, Anna Marcela Cunha, and she, uh, the Dutch woman, Sharon van Ruvendal, got herself a silver medal. But it's Australia's first ever medal in the women's 10K swim or in the 10K swim for anyone, which is great to see. Another bronze medal, the men's team pursuit. If you've been following this, listening to the show, anything like that, You'll know that the men's team pursuit team for Australia have been a bit of a chaotic day a couple of days ago. Alex Porter, halfway through his first race, his handlebars just fell off. He was left, fell off onto the track. Uh, he fell off onto the track. He was skidding all over the place, had all these nasty uh, marks from the track all over his face, ended up competing in the next race, got the team into the next round. Uh, but didn't compete in the race today against New Zealand. So it was a playoff for whoever was going to win bronze. New Zealand were leading for a fair amount of it, kind of exchanging leads. New Zealand crashed, though, uh, and Australia overtook him, got themselves a bronze medal in, uh, in terms of gold medal action for that one. Italy beat Denmark uh, and got themselves a world record and a gold medal. So good on you, Italy. Doing pretty well for yourselves at the moment and over the last couple of months, aren't you? Uh, more track cycling action. Carly McCulloch, the last Where Do We Begin alumnus in action. Uh, she, the last one to start as well. Everyone else is done, but she only started yesterday. In her heat, top two needed to qualify. She finished fourth. She was leading, uh, but then maybe, I don't know what happened, didn't quite get her sprint going at the end, got overtaken by three people, forced into a repechage, repechage, um, 
however you say it. Jeez, I'm absolutely bungling that. But she came second in that, and now she's into a quarterfinal, which is tomorrow. Uh, keep listening, and I'll tell you when that is. Uh, and in terms of a bit of athletics action, in the 200 metres, uh, Andre de Grasse from Canada won his fifth Olympic medal of his career, uh, got himself a gold medal. So good on him. He's a quick guy, isn't he? And for Australia, Ash Maloney. Five events uh, or five parts into the decathlon, five more to come today. He's second in that, which is great. Uh, he was second in the 100 metres, third in the long jump, 15th in the shot put, equal first in the high jump, got a personal best of uh, 2.11 metres, I think it was, and he was first in the 400 metres as well. So he's absolutely smashed that. Fellow Aussie, Cedric Dubler, not doing so well, 21st, but Ash Maloney, pinning our hopes to him. Uh, Canadian Damien Warren is uh, leading that one. But the world champion, the German, Nicholas Cole, he is out of it. Uh, so maybe a spot opened up there for a potential podium place. Uh, in terms of more track and field stuff, in the steeplechase, an Aussie, Genevieve Gregson, jumping over, uh, doing a water jump. She ruptured her Achilles, taken off in a wheelchair. Very, very nasty injury. I hope she can bounce back from that because that can be career-threatening and takes a long time to come back from. So, whew, yeah, not great to see there for poor old Genevieve Gregson rupturing her ACL and what we also don't like to see, uh, Opals getting destroyed, really, by the Americans. Not not too unsurprising. They lost 79 to 55 against the Americans. It's their lowest Olympic score since Sydney 2000. They just got comprehen- comprehensively beaten all over the court. Really not too surprising considering the US are like, favourites for the whole thing and Australia not too convincing in the group stage. Speaking of basketball though, some better news, Jock Landale he signed for the San Antonio Spurs, finally got his move to America from the NBL and Paddy Mills has moved to the Brooklyn Nets as well, so a fair bit of uh, signing action going on for those guys in the middle of the Olympics and in the skating, this was pretty amazing, we all know that the skaters are pretty young but check this out, Sky Brown representing Team GB, she was born in Japan but representing Team GB, got herself a bronze medal, turned 13 last month if you don't mind and in second place, silver medal, the youngest Japanese medalist ever, 12 years old, Kokona Hiraki 12 years old how insane is that and in the gold medal position, an absolute veteran of the sport, uh, wise and old customer, Sakura Yosuzumi, she won gold. She's 19 years old, so she's nearing retirement, maybe her last event. Good to bow out. On a high note, the 19-year-old Sakura Yosuzumi, she's from Japan as well, uh, so good on her. Uh, and very wholesome moment as well. Misugu Okamoto, uh, Japanese competitor in the women's park skateboard in that event. She crashed, missed out on a medal. Carried on the shoulders of all her fellow competitors after the event, which was just very wholesome to see. Positive vibes coming out of the skateboarding throughout the whole Olympics, really, and positive vibes for this one as well, but also a bit strange. Badminton. Indonesia won gold in that one. Uh, the women's pair in that, Gracia Poli and Apriana Rahayu, won gold for Indonesia. Indonesia very good at that sport. Still very good, clearly. Uh, they didn't just get medals as a prize, though. Uh, from... The district, Rahayu got given five cows and a house, and both of them, uh, a meatball chain, they, they each gave them their own restaurants. So now they've got some meatball restaurants and some cows and a house and some gold medals. So yeah, geez, good work if you can get it. Hey, uh, that's about it for the review. I'll let you know on the medal tally. So Australia, 
Slipped down from fourth, now in fifth. Team GB has gone up to fourth after a pretty good day, but fourth to sixth, GB Australia, Russia, the Russian Olympic Committee. It's pretty tight there, so anyone could finish anywhere, fourth to sixth. Top three, uh, China, US, Japan, it's going to stay like that. Order could mix up a bit. And then uh, seventh and onwards is pretty far off the pace, but... Speaking of not off the pace, this guy definitely isn't off the pace. This guy is switched on, intelligent, articulate, one of my favorite expert guests, the water polo expert, the water polo correspondent, Uga Mihailovic, the brother of Lena Mihailovic, an Aussie Stingers player, and the son of Predrag, the Aussie Stingers coach, whole of action in the water polo for the Stingers and the Sharks and other teams as well, because other teams do exist uh, in the last few days across the whole tournament. So to wrap up what's happened for Australia, preview what's to come in the semifinals and the final, from Water You Know, the great man, Uga Mihailovic. Uga Mihailovic from Water You Know is back on the show to chat about all the recent water polo drama. Now, if you didn't listen to the other episode with him, his sister and his dad are both involved uh, with the Aussie Stingers, and he's a very passionate, very knowledgeable guy about water polo. But unfortunately, the Stingers last night in a quarterfinal, they lost 8-9 to the ROC, which was very... Yeah, very disappointing, but Uga, I'm sure there are plenty of things swirling around your mind at the moment, 24 hours after the game. So just to start with, I'm just going to let you rip into your thoughts and your feelings around that game and the Stingers campaign overall. Yeah, look, honestly, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. I think it becomes even harder when you're so close to not just my sister and the girls. Like I I know most of the girls in that team. I'm very good friends with them, and I know – how much effort they put in, all of them, all of them individually as a team. Um, so, you know, it, it, but there is a lot to talk about. You know, we, we can unpack it. And, and uh, it's not necessarily an excuse, but it's a, it's a reality. So, um, as you know, the girls lost. It was a tight game. The Russia was ahead the entire game. The girls tried and tried and pushed and pushed. And we shot and we missed. And then we were still in the game. Our defense was good. Our attack was not good enough, and that's what at the end cost us the game. Um, sort of, if, if if you unpack that, where do I even start? So, um, as we spoke before, um, the girls did not have enough international games. In fact, none. In last two years, um, the girls did not have a single official international game to practice, which which brings an enormous disadvantage to to the coach to the team. You know, from coaching point of view, why, why are the games so important? That's how I look at it. What will I do as a coach? As a coach, you learn, you know, which player, how players react under pressure. You know, how, you know, let's say Lena might be better off in certain scenarios. Other girls may be better in different scenarios. From the from a team point of view, you know, team grows through the hard times. You've got to go through hard times, hard games to learn. So, you know, if very, very experienced teams can be down by four and recognize that situation and say, oh, hold up a second. We've been here before. Let's not panic. You know, we know what to do. We know when our moment comes, we will score the goals. But the lack of that, and that was obviously because of COVID, so there's not much you could have done differently, then you don't have that game. You have girls like Abby Andrews, who is, I think it's her first international game ever for Australia. <laughs> Maybe even I want to say okay. If you don't count, count the, the oops, if you don't count the test series as as um, as an official game, uh, Abby Andrews was first. This this was her first official tournament with the national team 
in the meantime, she didn't have any games at home with the local league. Maybe a few that were made up, but COVID kind of made everything stop. So, you know, and and, and looking at that, it, I think we touched on in the first in the first um, episode that it was just not realistic. You know, it, it is not realistic to show up to Olympics without any games and to, to win. It will have been a dream come true. It will have been a miracle. And we will have been writing awesome articles about it. But I think it's not real because otherwise the... Um, you know, otherwise other nations will not be putting so much money in having a strong domestic league. You know, there won't be a European league. There won't be a Champions League. They all exist for a purpose. You know, there won't be a World League final series just before Olympics. They all exist for a reason. And we didn't attend to any of those. Other teams managed to attend. And I think that was a big, big factor in there. You could see that girls were almost there, but just couldn't. You know, there was just that lack of experience. Um... On, on the positive side, I genuinely believe that the girls showed show that they have the potential to absolutely smash Russia. A bit brutal here, but like the amount of opportunities they've created, I think that they could have won by 10 goals. Even, let's say, last two minutes of the game, after Peja got red carded, in that last two minutes of the game, when they got an extra fired up and, and um, the goalkeeper... Uh, Gabi saved the penalty, and then I think uh, we had a one fast break, second fast break, shot from two, two meters and a half to score, and we still managed to score, and we almost even had an attack for the for, for, to draw the game. So it just shows how much potential this team has, but unfortunately, circumstances circumstances are such that you know those things didn't come together. Yeah, and for the people who didn't watch, the coach, uh, your dad, Predrag, like you said, got sent off with a couple of minutes to go. It was 7-9 down. uh, And then we scored with about 20 seconds, I'm going to say. And then if we scored again, it would have gone to penalties. But Russia just kept the ball and really wound the clock down. And like you said, heartbreak. But uh, you said before it would have been a miracle had the girls gone far, reached a final, won a gold medal even. would have been an absolute miracle. So do you know... Uh, what what were your expectations of the girls coming into this tournament, considering COVID, considering all the factors coming into it? My honest expectations, and I think this will match with what I said in the first episode, is that, you know, I was very, very worried. I was worried that, you know, without that experience, and I know how, how important it is to have games under your belt. Because... Um, to give a bit of an idea to the, to the other listeners who are not water polo and who might not necessarily be in sport, is like as an individual who plays sport, you relive those moments in your head and you know what you become capable of and what you're not capable of. But you can't learn those things just in training. You know, you sort of, you go to bed and you close your eyes and you're picturing, you know, an opponent attacking you, you're balking, you're going to do, do certain things and you sort of mentally prepare yourself. But without that, it's really hard. So, yeah, that's a big problem. The, the, my expectations were high because I love all those girls and my, and my, and my dad and my sister are there. And I, I hoped that the miracles could happen. But the reality, I think that we've done better than the reality. We beat Canada. Canada had, I think, at least six uh, international games, whether there was test or throughout um, the, the World League final, FINA games before that. So Canada, I thought it was going to be very, very tough point and going straight into it. We did well. 
my goodness, Holland played some absolutely amazing yeah. water polo against Hungary. For those who watched, that was sensational, like different level. So again, we managed to beat Holland. So again, it shows the potential that we have. It's a shame that everything just didn't click together. Yeah, it's a shame. But next Olympics are just three years away. And you, you being in the Sydney area, it probably seems like ages away. But slowly, 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 we are getting out of this. Once everyone's getting vaccinated and the borders start opening, where the team's going to be able to play more games overseas, going to be able to have the competition, really. So coming into Paris 2024, what do you reckon these girls can do? Do you reckon they can push for a gold medal and maybe even win it? Absolutely. Like there is not even a single doubt in my mind that they can do it. And I think another very important statistic is that in this game, uh, six out of eight goals were scored by the girls or ladies who were debutants in the seventh world, right? For the first time in the Olympics. Mm. So, so that, that's a very important stat. Like, you know, that team has one Olympian, two-time Olympians, I think Bronman, four-time Olympian. But in the most critical moments in this particular game, the most important game, the young girls stood up. That, that's, that's, that's reality. And, um, and that gives me, as a spectator, a lot of confidence going forward. And I think that, uh, like, as I said, Abby Andrews, I just love giving that example. I don't. I was speaking with um, another coach, water polo coach, yesterday, and he told me he said, "Oh, the shot on the on Abby Andrews, like she's unbelievable. Uh, she 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 has no idea of what she's capable of." And I said, "Yeah, but how could she be know what she's capable of?" And she hadn't had the opportunity to even realize what her potentials are. But she's got an absolute bomb of a shot. So talented, like it, it's a dream. Watching her shoot, it's literally just like my dream. If I could, you know, do that, that would be amazing. But I can't. So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of good things to look forward to. Team is still young. You know, you have Amy, Bronte, Lena, um, Abby, the, the goalkeeper. Let's not forget her. She was spectacular throughout her, her entire tournament. And, and I think that uh, there's a very, very positive atmosphere in the team coming from the top, you know, coming from our experienced players. Some of them have been in the similar situation and they've got a really, really good group of people so hopefully they push each other they finish strong and then you know some players might leave because you know they've, they've served their time and hopefully some new young blood comes in but I think it's promising I've got hope yeah that sounds very exciting and you were speaking about the Aussie goalkeeper but the Russian goalkeeper I, I don't know how good she usually is but she played out of her skin in that game she made so many saves and I think nine times out of ten like I'm not an experienced water polo watcher or anything but nine times out of ten Australia wins that game because their keeper doesn't save basically everything that comes at her it was miraculous some of the stuff she was pulling off hey yep yep I think the Russian goalkeeper did well but we also made her look good I have to say that, yeah. like, you know, yeah, absolutely. I think she did very well. She saved everything she's, she, she could have saved ev even more. But I think that, you know, for example, if you want to get a bit technical and this could be interesting for someone, all the low shots, she saved. Every shot that went high, she didn't save. Uh, Zoe Arancini's first, first beautiful bounce shot, which finished very high, goal. You know, um, Bronte's shots, top right, top left. Both goals. So there was a bit of that. And again, it takes experience and time to recognize this is in the game. But yeah, she absolutely stopped the bounce shots. And that was enough to win. Absolutely. Credit to her. Yeah. So 
I, I really like the kind of tactical talk. So in terms of where the game was lost, not just from the goalkeeper, obviously taking high shots, like you said, maybe the result would have been different. But anything else tactically that you would have tweaked maybe had you been been in charge and maybe would have progressed to the semi-final? I, I don't think so, to be honest. It's, it's not that it's, it's, it's my dad is a coach. I'm, I love to disagree with him on many things. <laughs> um, I, I don't think so. I don't think that, that much could have been changed. You know, the game went the way game went and the girls did the best they could at that point in time. And I think that that's, that's a, that is a sort of an important thing that you can say. You know, sometimes you can lose a game and say we could have done better. But given the reality of the situation, I genuinely believe that the girls gave it 100% of what they could have offered on that day. And no, I couldn't have done anything better. I, I originally thought before I speak into him, and this is uh, information that you probably won't find anywhere else. I originally thought that, um, you know, the red card was tactical. I thought that could be interesting for the viewers is sometimes coaches, especially in water polo, would, uh, you know, push the limits of the referees and uh, and and you, and once the coach gets red carded the team usually lifts up you know gets fired up it's just that extra you know you gotta give it all throw it all in the ring I'm not sure if that was his entire idea maybe it was I know that he's done that before in national team in, in within like a national league Cronulla like you know if if everything is on the line and it almost worked like you know they could have scored another four goals in the last two minutes but um yeah, but after I, I overheard his conversation with, with someone, I think it was just um, it was just bad refereeing, really. Uh, I think it was the first yellow card was for slow substitution, which is unheard of at that level. Like, unheard of. I've, I've, I've never heard of, of anything like that. You know, usually you get a warning. But then it, the refereeing has been interesting the entire tournament. I don't know if you heard about the scandal, lost decision about Australia-Kazakhstan, when Kazakh Stani player got red carded in the first two minutes of the game for having a bit of cream on his back. Yeah, I did hear about that. Yep. So, you know, while things are happening, the second red card was obviously because he complained about the penalty. The second yellow card that made it red was about that. So, yeah, I don't think I could have done much different than him. Um, I, I thought that he gave it all as well. I genuinely believe that. And I think whether red card was in intentional or, or not, I sort of feel like Still, I thought there was another thing that you can throw in the ring and just, you know, hope for the best. You know, you yeah. said you liked soccer before. So, you know, if uh, I think Suarez in the quarterfinals of the world champions against one of the African teams, he deflected the ball off the line with his hand, got a straight mm -hmm. red. The goalkeeper went to save it and, and they went to win the to go through, you know, to go to the semi-final and the final. So sometimes, yeah. I guess, you've you got to put your body on the line for the team and for the greater good. And this time it didn't, it didn't work out. But again, it shows that this team is willing to give everything for each other. And yeah, it didn't work out this time. World Championship is in May. So new challenges ahead. Oh, yeah, that would be very interesting, the World Championship. I'll be watching that one keenly. And I think lots of people who weren't into water polo have been tuning into it because, especially with the women, the passion has just been unquestionable. Even despite, like you said before, they don't quite have that experience as a group together and experience playing at these big tournaments because they haven't played for two years. But 
the passion and the kind of camaraderie is just so, so visible and evident. But moving off from the Stings, I know they've got a game tomorrow night, uh, like a placement game against Canada. But in the semifinals, we've got Spain and Hungary and the ROC against the US uh, for the women's tournament. Who do you reckon is the favourite to win the whole thing? Uh, look, I mean, it's obvious, unfortunately, America is the favourite. You know, USA has got, I think, the uh, how the word is structured in English. So they've got the, the longest dominance in sport, I think, in history, in any sport. I think the last maybe even 10 years, uh, they've been, like, absolutely dominating a sport. Like, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, their, their system is very good. You know, the coming, players coming to American college, the coach is very good. The system is is working. They know it's working, so they're not trying to fix it. They're just doing what they know they're doing best, and it's working out for them. But then, but then, <clears throat> uh, then you have the wild Hungarians. And I think if anyone is going to upset USA again, it will be the Hungarians. I don't think Spain can do it. I think the Hungarians, their passion, their individualism, the brilliance, the way they see the game, the way they think is just on another level. And I think that that um, Hungary can upset USA again. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. It's going to be a miracle because USA hasn't lost in, a so, in so long. And then the mental strength of that team is unbelievable. But uh, I think Hungary, I think Hungary can do it. I mean, look, Spain can maybe do it as well, but I, I see Hungary as the one that could potentially take take down the USA again because they already defeated them once this year, this this tournament. Yeah, it's all getting uh, all heading up in the tournament. It's going to be fascinating to see. And the US just having a look at their group stage results, they beat uh, the ROC eighteen five, beat China twelve seven, smashed Japan. They're not very good, but they still smashed them twenty five four, but lost to Hungary ten nine. So, like you said, Hungary. Yeah, anything could happen with them. But uh, moving on to the men, talking about the Sharks, knocked out in the group stage. How do you think they'll be feeling after that uh, uh, final result? Uh, I think they can be proud of themselves, to be honest. Like, um, it's a pretty dire situation with men, you know, like um, the, the original centre-forward, Joe Case, who is extremely talented and probably one of the best centre-forwards in the world, was not able to come from New Zealand because of covid uh, then they had to improvise. And Elvis really had to sort of come up with something out of nothing, you know. Um, they did, just like the girls, they did not have any international games. I think they tried to sneak into Hawaii a week before the Olympics, but like, you know, to play a game or two, hardly enough to change anything, you know, a week before Olympics. They, they've tried, but they didn't change much. So them beating Croatia, who is right now... Um, I think losing to Hungary by one in the third quarter of the, same, of the quarterfinals, it, it's a spectacular achievement. They trashed them, which showed the potential again, which showed the potential of what we as a country can do if, uh, if you get it right, if our systems at home work well. You know, if you have a good National League program, that works. If you have a good National League, but we didn't. Other countries managed to organize that despite COVID. We didn't. So we paid the price. It's simple as that, you know, if if all those players will have had another 15, 20 games at home and then maybe even uh, five, six, seven, eight, ten international games before Olympics, things could have been different. 
you know, if you look at things that we can do better going into next tournament, I will say that's probably one of those things that, that we can do better. Uh, I think the boys tried their best. They beat Croatia. They beat Kazakhstan. They they were up against Montenegro for most of the game. I think they can be proud of themselves. Mm, so where, when they were kind of hot and playing well, what what made them click where, when they were in good form in the tournament? Oh, look, um, I, I, I think in every sport you need a bit of luck and you need a few things to align everything to go for yourself. You know, if, if you're going to play like team like Serbia and if Serbia is on a red-hot day or Hungary is on a red-hot day and their shooters are just on, you know, there's not much you can do. You know, if they're just on, they're on and everything goes in and you can have three blocks in, it's still going to go through the hit three, triple wood in. It's just one of those things. But, you know, everything aligned for them against, against uh, Croatia. You know, Croatia didn't have the best game. Australian defense was really good. A lot of shots went in. They were brave till the end. They didn't lose their composure. And they won. And I think they could have won Montenegro as well. They could have been in Montenegro if they had more experience. They were up uh, by 5-2. By and maybe the hand got a bit shaky. The experience of not closing the game probably got into them. And Montenegro came out with, with a big win. But I think that could have gone the other way. So, you know, yeah, I think that that's that's... That's it. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, like we said with the women, hopefully they can improve uh, due to all the kind of match play that they'll be having in the future, improve for Paris 2024 and go as far as they can. But moving to the more general men's tournament, we've got Serbia, Spain in a semi and then Greece against the winner of the game that's on right now, Hungary, Croatia. Hungary just scored. They're up 9-8 against Croatia. Um, So who who are the big favourites in that one? Ooh, okay, uh, my personal tournament uh, favorite was Spain before they started. Uh, Serbia had a pretty average sort of group games. Croatia didn't start very well. Hungary more consistent than the others. But uh, it's hard to tell, really. Like, um, everyone's beaten everyone, I feel like, and everyone's trashed everyone. <laughs> so it's just a one big mess. Um, <laughs> Croatia's just got one back. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I think the, the final before the final is going to be Spain, Serbia. Uh, Spain has beaten Serbia in last five or maybe even six games. So big mental advantage. But Serbians, when they, when they play well, they know what they're capable of. But it just shows, you know, if you start a game well, you, your chances are it's going to go good. But if you start shit, <laughs> then then you got a big problem. So a, a lot of mental preparation will be involved about starting the game right. And same for Spanish. Same for Spanish, same for Serbians. Um, Spain-Serbia, I will say, towards the favorite side. Uh, I think Hungary, again, same as their girls. They're super talented. They play wild and unpredicted. If they're on on the day, you won't be able to stop them. We will see. Hard to tell. What do you think? <laughs> Oh, mate, you're much more of an expert than me, so I've got no clue. I'm not going to make myself look like an idiot by saying something stupid. But we've been going for 22 and a half minutes now, and ideally, ideal world, we'd be going till midnight for me because I'm loving talking about all this analysis with you. It's great stuff. But just before we do go, uh, maybe some new listeners to the show, do you want to plug your work, plug anything else, or just say anything else? No, no, no. I think, again, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Thank you for promoting water polo. And... You know, if you're interested in some sort of daily water polo news, and it's we're not as regular as you are, we just try to, you know, keep you up to date with salt and chlorine as much as we can. 
uh, you know, you can follow us on Water You Know. But other than that, yeah, um, thanks again for hosting me and look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks for that, Uga. Great man. As always, great guest to have on the show. Very, very insightful for Water Polo. Loved having you on. Thanks again, mate. Now, a bit of a preview for what's to come today. Uh, of course, we, we've got some basketball action later on today. We're going to have Hayley Wilds, our basketball expert, on in the ex- in the episode Sorry, tomorrow. So make sure you're tuning in to that one. But I'll just give you a rundown of how to sit on your couch. You know how to sit on your couch, but what to watch when you're sitting on your couch all through the day. So from 7.30 a.m. till pretty late at night, after 9 p.m., there's a whole lot of action with Aussies, and I'm going to give you the best of it. So at 7.30 a.m. in the marathon swim, 10Ks, 7 laps. Uh, Kai Edwards, he's from the Gold Coast, representing Australia in the marathon swim, in the park skateboarding, the men's park skateboarding this time. It's a final. Uh, or it's not final first, 10 a.m. is the first one. Keegan Palmer and Kieran Woolley in heats, and then a final at 1.30 p.m., but the heats at 10 a.m. Moving on to the beach volleyball at 11 a.m., Murray F.A., Artacho Del Solar, and Teliqua Clancy have been doing an absolute, absolutely phenomenal job so far. Knocked off number one ranked Canada in the quarters, and Canada hadn't considered a set until then, but they knocked them off in a three-setter, the Australians. They're coming up against Latvia this time, the Australians, in the semi-final. So if they can win that and then win the next one in the golds, they'll become the first gold medalist for Australia in the beach volleyball since the legendary Kerry Potthouse and Nat Cook in Sydney 2000. So be cheering them on. Uh, ho- hopefully they go well. Also at 11 a.m., the diving. Mel Wu, it's her fourth Olympic. She's just 29 years old. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Mel Wu is Melissa Wu, 10-meter platform semi-final. She's right up there with the medal contenders, so hopefully she can progress to the final. Later on in the day, in the afternoon, 2.15 p.m., basketball, as I said before, Boomers versus USA in the semi-final of the Olympics. Maybe the biggest match in Australian national basketball history because... If the Boomers win, they're guaranteed a medal. First ever basketball medal at the Olympics would be huge. USA, though, forced to be reckoned with, as they always are. They beat Spain 95-81 to 81 in the semi. Australia uh, absolutely trounced Argentina 97-59. to 59. The other semi is France-Slovenia, so the winners of those two. Going into the final, of course, France will, and will be a tough matchup. And um, Slovenia, they, they've got a particular big star, of course, uh, who... Yeah, no one will really want to be coming up against. But at 6 p.m. in the football, of course, the Matildas, frustrating 1-0 loss to Sweden the other night. USA also had a surprising 1-0 loss to Canada in their semifinal. So those two coming up against each other in the bronze medal match. Now, if the previous games are anything to go by, don't expect too many goals in this one because they had a pretty tedious nil-all draw in the group stage and they both didn't score in their semifinals. So only one goal in their semifinal games, but they've both got some attacking guns. So who knows? Anything could happen in that one. Uh, yeah, 6 p.m. And this is a bit of a funny one because the final, uh, Sweden-Canada, is on 12 p.m. Friday. All these times are Australian Eastern Standard Time, by the way. 12 p.m. Friday. Uh, Sweden versus Canada in the final. It was at 12 p.m., not quite prime time for viewers here, viewers in Japan, very hot as well, not too convenient. It was put at 12 p.m. Friday because the uh, U.S. wanted as many people as they wanted, as many people as they could to watch it, and the IOC wanted that. They expected USA to make the final. They didn't, uh, so they're going to have a bronze medal match at 6 p.m., which is like 4 a.m. Uh, for <laughs> about half the American population, which is 
quite funny that that's happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I like to see that. I like to see uh, broadcasters, broadcasters kind of been stuffed around a bit there, but uh, just a bit before, I've stuffed up the order a bit here, but a bit before the football, track cycling, 5.16 p.m. Carl McCulloch has made her quarterfinal. She's in the quarterfinal heat, her heat at 5.16 p.m., of course, in the Kieran, uh, 5.30 p.m. in the walking race. I love a bit of walking race. Very intense, very vigorous stuff uh, yeah, yeah, Declan Tingay and Kyle Swan for the Australians in the 20k race walk final from 5:30. In the water polo, Australia the Stingers, the women's team, have been knocked out, but they're coming up against Canada at 7:20. See where they can place anywhere between fifth and eighth, depending on who wins that and the other placement game. 8 p.m. Perhaps the biggest event of the day, probably the biggest event of the day in terms of definitely in terms of medal action for Australia, and they're going to get a lot of viewers. 8 p.m. The Kookaburras versus Belgium in the gold medal match. This is going to be huge. First and second in the world coming up against each other. Kookaburra is probably the favourites being first in the world. It's their first gold medal match since they beat the Netherlands in 2004 in Athens. Both these teams, though, uh, of course, won their quarters and their semi. Both had four wins and a draw in the group stage. So quite evenly matched. Haven't come up against each other yet in this tournament, but this is going to be massive. The Kookaburras against Belgium at 8 p.m. Tune into that one. And finally... In the 1,500 metres, of course, our boy, Jai Edwards, unfortunately got knocked down in his heat. It was a brutal race, he said, and I definitely agree with. But at 9pm, uh, Ollie Hoare and a big medal contender, Stuart McSwain. Stuart McSwain are in a semi-final at 9pm. They both finished third in their heats. Final's going to be at Saturday. That's going to be huge. 1,500 metre, great event. Stuart McSwain, a big medal chance, as I said. But that's about it for the big events coming up today. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in to this one, guys. Remember to support us any way you can, following, reviewing, sharing, subscribing, a like. We love a review. We love a five-star review. If we, if you think we deserve it, that would be great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Be back tomorrow for another episode of Tokyo Daily. We're nearing the end, but my name's Harper, and I'm really enjoying keeping you company over these Olympics. Thanks for tuning in, guys.